Hello, I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Well, guess what? Ammunition registration has come to New Jersey. That's right. The law was passed a number of months ago, but now it is up and running and online. And so when you go to buy handgun ammunition in New Jersey, you're going to be charged a transaction fee even for one box of 22s of a dollar fifty, and you are going to get databased with your purchase and your personal information. Let me tell you about exactly how this works. By the way, the sponsor of our show is the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, ANJRPC.org. They are the foremost defender of gun rights in New Jersey. They are the NRA state affiliate, and they are working full-time trying to protect our rights and fight in the toughest anti-gun jurisdiction there is, and that is New Jersey. So now, with this new law, when you go to the dealer and you buy, like I said, even one box of 22s, the dealer is required to enter you into an electronic ammunition purchase database. Now, this law itself can be found in the Criminal Code in New Jersey under NJS2C 58-3. And this is specifically subsection A. And what it mandates is the electronic reporting and record of transaction for sale, transfer, assignment, or disposition of handgun ammunition. And this is the law. And the state police were required under this law to develop a program for retail dealers of handgun ammunition. So that means they got to be a licensed retail dealer in New Jersey because that's what a retail dealer means under the law. To electronically report a record of any transaction involving sale, transfer, assignment, or disposition of handgun ammunition and the information related to that. Now, the law specifically says that the information shall include the date of the transaction, the name of the manufacturer, the caliber or gauge, gauge, that's interesting, gauge, what handgun firing shotgun shells, and I mean gauge, not 410, that's not a gauge. I missed the last 20 gauge, 12 gauge, or 10 gauge handgun that was for sale. But anyway, it has to record the gauge or caliber and the quantity of ammunition sold or transferred. It needs to have the name and the address and the date of birth of the purchaser and identification used to establish the identity and any other information the superintendent may require. So what did the New Jersey State Police actually do with regard to this? Well, they created this electronic database that's connected to the New Jersey NICS system. And when a dealer is going to make the sale, they go on on the web interface and they click on. And first thing it asks, they got to put your name 
and it does have date of birth, and then it asks for the SBI number. Now, where's the SBI number? Well, that's on your firearms ID card. So I guess you better have a firearms ID card, or you're not going to know your SBI number. And if you have some of the old, an old firearm ID card, they didn't even put SBI numbers on the old ones. Later, they finally started using them. Then it needs your residential address information, which is your street address and city and state and zip code. So you're going to plug all that in, and that gets you registered in the database. And then the ammunition information is as follows. The name of the manufacturer has to be entered by the dealer. Then it says ammunition type. Now, this is interesting because it has, of course, it's handgun, but there's a pull-down menu. And since only handgun ammunition is being required to be registered, why do they have type for registration? Think about that. In other words, you know what their intention is, to make all ammunition get registered at one point. But for now, it's handgun. And then it asks the caliber, and it asks the uh, quantity, and the quantity has to be number of rounds, folks. So it's not one box, but it's 50 rounds or 100 rounds. And then it also asks something that's very interesting, because it's not in the law that this needed to be asked, but they ask whether it's hollow nose ammunition or not. So they're distinguishing out whether individuals have purchased hollow-nose ammo or not. Now, why they ask for that, I don't know. It's not required under the statute. Hollow-nose ammunition can lawfully be purchased from the dealer and can be brought to the range or brought to your home, and you're allowed to possess it there. So why are they distinguishing whether it's hollow nose or not, I don't know. But all that's being databased on you. And then you're being charged the extra dollar fifty. So this database simply databases you as an ammunition buyer and the ammunition you purchase. But ammunition itself isn't serial numbered or registered. And here's the other thing about ammunition. It gets shot. So after you use your ammunition, you may have been recorded for purchasing, but it doesn't mean you still have it or nor would still have it because it's like recording gasoline purchase for your car. Then you use it. You buy more. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. Think about this database. All it is is intrusive. All it is is a database that you know is going to be used for some bad purpose eventually to go at our rights, to be supplied in searches or whatever. The person is an ammunition purchaser. To look at quantities purchased over a time period. Yet nothing about this exercise here, nothing will have anything to do with fighting crime with solving crime, with stopping crime. It has nothing whatsoever to do with criminals. Nothing. It is just databasing with intrusive information and charging a fee, of course, to create this database on law-abiding citizens.
so that the government knows that you're an ammo buyer. That's it. It does nothing to actually address anything having to do with the criminal misuse of firearms or the stopping of crime. It is ridiculous. Yet, here we are having now to do this. And folks, there's another element to this that you need to be very much aware of. Because not only is it creating this database and creating, if you will, a beta of the data of the database. In other words, this is just the first step. Because you know they're going to want to increase the information that they're requesting. They're going to probably have limitations at some point on the amount of ammunition individuals can buy. They're going to look at the amount of ammo you buy and maybe use it to judge whether you're, you should have another permit or not or whether you're hoarding ammunition or who knows what idiotic theories they'll come up with to use this and abuse this. But also in this law, and also this will come up in this registration, is the following requirement. Listen to this, folks. Any transaction involving the sale, transfer, assignment, or disposition of 2,000 or more rounds of handgun ammunition and the information related to that transaction shall be immediately reported to the superintendent. In other words, if you purchase more than 2,000 rounds in one transaction, you're getting investigated by the state police for your purchase. So, folks, if you want to buy four bricks of 22s, you're asking to be immediately reported to the state police for this ammunition transfer to be investigated by them for this quantity purchase. That, too, is in the law. So you need to be aware of this. This only applies, of course, to the purchase of ammunition in New Jersey from retail dealers. Now, the problem is it's essentially now going to close out online purchasing of ammunition from out of state because unless they're a retail dealer that person under new jersey law not an ffl under federal law but a new jersey retail dealer they're not going to have access to the new jersey computerized nick system which gives access to the database ammunition purchase requirement that has to be fulfilled for them to sell in New Jersey to New Jersey or transfer to that New Jersey resident. So I don't see how any of the companies can lawfully sell handgun ammunition uh, online or mail order anymore, even though under federal law it's legal. But New Jersey, I think, is blocking it with this unless they're going to allow or if any company's even willing to do it to become a New Jersey retail dealer outside the state of New Jersey so that they can be licensed and regulated by the state of New Jersey so they can have a retail dealer license allowing them to sell ammunition so they can record the purchases. I doubt they're going to go and do that. So 
that's a problematic issue. Additionally, here it talks about the retail dealers of handgun ammunition are required to do this. Now, there is another law that had been on the books for a longer time than this, substantially longer, that required uh, for the sale of handgun ammunition that a person have ID. This law came in into effect in 2007, whereas this uh, new law now is 2022. But in 2007, there has been a law for a while in New Jersey that before someone can purchase handgun ammunition, they have to produce um, an ID card or a uh, pistol purchase permit or a carry license before the, uh, or even a current, uh, with a current driver's license success. Or, so you have a dual identification requirement for the purchase of ammunition with your gun license and your uh, driver's license for other current government ID. And that was one thing where the proof of your ID and then you could buy ammo, but it wasn't registered. There was no fee. There was no electronic. It was just identification uh, purposes for that. And in that law, there was an exemption, an exemption that says nothing shall be construed to prove the de minimis amount of ammo, handgun ammo, at a firearms range. So if you're just selling ammunition for use at the gun range, you didn't have to do this, and they exempted it, or at a rifle and pistol club, etc. However, that exemption was on the old law, which is in a different section. There, they did not put that exemption into the electronic database law. There is no de minimis range or pistol club exemption for handgun ammunition transfer there. So it appears that even when you go to the range, you're going to still have to do this intrusive databasing for your handgun purchase and pay the fee for the, I mean, handgun ammunition purchase and pay the fee for that ammunition purchase, even though you're just using it at the range, which becomes more of a pain in the neck, of course, for the ranges. Now, unless the state police or somebody issues some guidance saying, no, the de minimis transfer at a range, just like the old law, still applies to the electronic. But technically, that law, that electronic registration law, did not exempt like the other law did. So... When we come back, I have some great letters to Gun Lawyer with some excellent questions. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, 
firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Gun Lawyer. I'm Evan Knappen, and I appreciate you listening to the Gun Lawyer podcast very, very much. It's an opportunity for me to uh, help spread the word and the news about the various gun laws and things taking place that the mainstream media does not like to see publicized. And it's a great way to get the word out, to learn about these things and the inside information. I am particularly proud that our sponsor, the Association of Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs, is there fighting for our rights every day. They have a full-time paid lobbyist in Trenton. They are currently litigating on multiple fronts in federal court and state court on Second Amendment issues. Just recently, there's been action with the association's case in association uh, versus Platkin, where both the magazine ban and the assault firearm ban are being challenged in federal court for constitutionality under the Second Amendment. The association is in litigation over the carry killer anti-civil rights bill right now as we speak and they've succeeded in getting injunctive relief in the form of a TRO and there is a lot more to come with the preliminary injunction hearing on that same legal action and uh, making great progress there. They're also involved in a state challenge actually in a case called uh, MU which is a case with my firm challenging the constitutionality of the licensing disqualifier for not in the interest of public health, safety, welfare, and its unconstitutional uh, nature <laughs> that uh, leaves it vague, subjective, and a violation, of course, of our Second Amendment rights. The association is there helping to fight these cases and to defend our rights in the toughest environment in the United States, and that is the state of New Jersey. So please join the association. Make sure you're a member. Go to anjrpc.org and join your state association. Now, I have a letter here from Robert, and what Robert says is regarding NJCCW liability insurance coverage. Now, CCW seems to be a term for concealed carry weapon that is out there in the ether that gun people use. But in New Jersey, we don't have a CCW. 
what we have is a we is a PTC, a permit to carry. Now it so happens that our permit to carry does require that it be concealed, but it's not a weapon permit; it's a handgun permit. Some states have concealed weapon permits that go beyond simply firearms. New Jersey limits it strictly to handguns, and it's a permit to carry. So, preferred to use PTC, but. I totally understand what Robert's asking about, and I'm sure you do too, and that's regarding NJCCW liability insurance. And it says, Evan, your podcasts are invaluable. I've taken one of your seminars a few years ago, and you made a lot of confusing laws extremely understandable. Well, he must have caught me on a good day then, let me tell you. Uh, my question is, I'm having a difficult time securing liability insurance for my NJCCW. It seems the standard insurance companies, and he has USCCA, CCW, SAFE, etc., are not offering in New Jersey. Do you know of any insurance companies for NJ? Thank you, Bob. Well, here's the deal, Bob, and you're right, and this is quite an interesting situation. You see, under Murphy's carry killer anti-civil rights bill, one of the things that he put in there was a requirement to have insurance if you have a permit to carry. Now, this does not kick in until July, so it does not become effective until July. So if you have a carry permit now, you do not need to get this insurance. But I understand how folks want to be preemptive. They want to get the insurance before. And frankly, having insurance itself isn't a bad idea. There's nothing wrong with the idea of having insurance. It's a good idea. And... Uh, so in that regard, it's fine. But what really isn't fine is when it's mandated by the government, which is what the carry killer anti-civil rights bill does, and requires it to have certain limits and have certain uh, structure to what they are mandated to ensure. And that's where the problem comes in. It is my understanding that there is no major insurance company that can actually write the insurance the way the insurance companies are interpreting this law that New Jersey requires. I know that U.S. Law Shield, which I'm an independent program attorney for U.S. Law Shield, I know that U.S. Law Shield has looked into this as well. And none of the major insurance companies uh, can do it because they believe that it mandates that insurers ensure intentional acts. And insurance does not apply to intentional acts. You c insurance is for accidents, for negligence, not for something intentionally done. And what makes this even more ironic and crazy is that a number of years ago, Governor Murphy made a big hoopla from his office announcing that he's prohibiting the insurance that gun owners wanted to get from USCCA, Carry Guard, etc., and that it was simply insurance that covered you if you needed defense in a legal action because you used your gun in self-defense, it was not 
liability type insurance where there was judgments or things that could get paid, but it was a legal services type of insurance. And Murphy banned these from New Jersey by executive order and called them murder insurance. So this is we're going to have murder insurance in New Jersey. Now it so happens that US Law Shield was not insurance but a member organization with members not insured, not an insurance company type deal. So US Law Shield had already gotten approval through the Banking and Insurance Commission as not being insurance. And they were allowed to still continue to operate because they weren't insurance. But the other companies were forced to leave because Murphy banning murder insurance, which of course none of it was murder insurance. But now, lo and behold, he signs his carry killer anti-civil rights bill, and in it is an insurance requirement that mandates that you have insurance that covers intentional acts. In other words, he's mandating that you get actual murder insurance now. That's what he's looking to have you insured for, actual murder, which is not the case for what insurance companies would normally ever insure. They don't insure nor sell, quote, murder insurance. Intentional acts is something that are exclusions in insurance policies. So unless something gets worked out with the insurance commission, the insurance companies, and it gets figured out what type of insurance can actually be made by these companies that could actually fulfill whatever this law is requiring, we're not going to see any insurance. And that's why there is no insurance available now that actually meets the bill. Now, I have heard that there are some companies claiming this, but in fact they have exclusions and nothing in writing that says this in fact covers it because I don't believe it does because I know that these other companies have, have been trying to provide a product to meet it and can't. So I mean, if anyone claims to have such a product, I'd be highly skeptical because these other major companies that deal specifically with gun owners cannot get this product out there. So uh, beware. It is something that uh, is fraught with uh, peril, shall we say. Now, there is one good news about it, and that is the Association of Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs in their litigation, in their challenge to the carry killer anti-civil rights bill, is challenging the provision that mandates the insurance. So we will have preliminary injunctive hearing prior, well prior to July, where we may in fact see that the requirement for insurance is found to be unconstitutional anyway. So don't go fretting about this just yet, because it doesn't take effect till July, and I believe there's a very reasonable chance of success here for us in defeating this requirement. Because think about it, they're requiring insurance. The government is mandating insurance for you to exercise a right, a right equivalent to First Amendment rights, such as freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Do you think it would be okay if the government mandated that you have insurance before you pray in church or that you need to have insurance before you do a letter to the editor? Do you think that's okay? 
No, of course it isn't. So the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms is in the same level as the First Amendment rights, as per Justice Thomas, in the Bruin decision. And therefore, I think there's a good chance that the insurance mandate will not be upheld. So let's see what happens. But until then, uh, getting some insurance that meets this criteria is highly unlikely. But let's just say we do win, as I suspect we will. It's not a terrible idea to get insurance, just generally speaking, for firearm carry, etc. And those products, I believe, will be out there uh, that you could get that uh, just are not, quote, murder insurance, but actual insurance for the law-abiding carrier of a handgun. Okay, I got another great letter here. And this letter is from Yuri. And Yuri says, Dear Mr. Navin, I have a question about how to handle a traffic stop by police when traveling between the gun club and home. This is not a CCW question. Here we go with that CCW stuff again, but that's okay. Just F-pick holder driving to and from his gun club. I'm always careful when driving during these trips. Rifles and pistols are in a locked case, ammo in a separate locked case. No hollow point ammo of any time, of any kind. Targets and gun cases are covered with blankets and a minivan. That's good because plain view of a gun case is probable cause for a search. You want to keep your gun cases covered. Besides the common sense things to do during a traffic stop, front windows down, engines off, and hands on the wheel, do I inform the police officer that I'm a New Jersey F pick holder, that I have guns in my van and I'm traveling to the to the gun club without any route deviations. I'm a great fan of yours. I've all your books, studied the section on 255, but I didn't find an answer to this question. I'm 72 years old and retired. A member of U.S. Law Shield, NRA, NJRPC, and CJRNP, which is Central Jersey Rifle and Pistol. Well, Yuri, I appreciate you being a fan and trying to stay on top of all this, and let me give you some specific answers to your questions. First of all, New Jersey for folks that have a carry permit, a handgun carry permit. If you are stopped, you have a duty to disclose, whether in a motor vehicle or in public. You have to immediately tell the officer that you have a handgun, even if it's in a box in the car, in a case in the car, or loaded on your person. Even if it's unloaded and in the box or loaded on your person, if you're a carry permit holder, there is a duty to inform the officer. Failure to do so is a crime of the fourth degree, up to 18 months in state's prison. And you must also produce your carry permit. And if you fail to produce that, it's a a misdemeanor, what Jersey calls a disorderly person's offense. Now, that is for folks with a permit to carry that have a handgun in the car, either loaded or unloaded. They must disclose to the police. But if you do not have a carry permit, then you do not have a duty to disclose. Yes, that's actually true. So as long as you don't have a carry permit, you do not have to tell the officer that you have 
a gun in the car or a gun in a box or even a gun on your person, which you shouldn't have on your person, but not only do you not have a duty to disclose that, you have a Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination to not disclose that. As far as other guns, as jury asks, about long arms, rifle shot, no, you have no duty to disclose that you are transporting rifles or shotguns, that you're transporting firearms at all. And a matter of fact, you should say nothing about having guns in the car, guns being transported, or where you're going. Because all that does is escalate the situation to seeing your guns, searching for your guns, and then charging you with possessing your guns so that you have the burden of proving your innocence, which is how New Jersey has structured their gun laws. So absolutely do not disclose that you have a firearm of any type or any sort in the car unless you are a holder of a permit to carry because then you're required to disclose that you have that handgun on you and to show your permit. That is New Jersey's law in a nutshell. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, folks? Good grief. Anyway, I appreciate your great questions, folks, and I want to thank you for being listeners, and it's this kind of information where it's so contradictory and so counterintuitive and so just absurd and ridiculous that if I can straighten it out on this show, I'm happy to do it and helps make all of us safer and not become victims of New Jersey gun law. You'll hear the antis talk all the time about victims of gun violence, which is a load of crap because it's not gun violence, it's criminal violence. I happen to be pro-gun violence, just the right gun violence. In other words, some bad guys threatening myself or my family with deadly, with deadly uh, force, and I am justified in using my firearm. Guess what I'm using on them? Gun violence. That's right, and I'm for it. That's when you need it. So it's not about gun violence, but I'll tell you what you never hear about. You never hear about victims of gun laws, not victims of gun violence, victims of gun laws. That's what Jersey does. It makes victims out of their gun laws. I don't want to see any of you become a victim. And uh, same with our great sponsor, the Association of Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs. Make sure you join. Go to anjrpc.org. And uh, Seven Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.